Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again, and we just want to tell you we thank you for taking time out of your uh, very busy schedule to join us every week at the same time as we continue just brag on Jesus a little bit. Uh, I have on the set with me today and probably for the next couple of weeks uh, someone you've not seen yet on the television program, but he's a very special friend of mine, and uh, he pastors a great church in Benson, North Carolina. He pastors Benson First Assembly, and Pastor David Hughes is on the program with me today, and I just want to welcome you. And, well, thank uh, you. And uh, he's, gonna be, to be he, he's been sharing some things. We did a conference together a few weeks ago, and uh, he was sharing some powerful things that I just really uh, touched my heart. And while I was sitting there listening to him, I thought, well, I just need to have him on the program and let him say some of these things. And um, it was just such a blessing. I thought you would be blessed by it. Every time I've ever heard Pastor Hughes speak, he always brings such a powerful focus to Jesus. And the word is always balanced, and uh, I so appreciate these days. And I, to me, balance is not a bad word. That doesn't mean we're mixing law and grace. It just means that, you know, sometimes people, uh, when they're brand new to a message, may have a few pieces, and sometimes they have just enough information to be dangerous. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, sometimes yeah. the, uh, that can happen, and then everybody preaching grace gets labeled with the same things. But in that particular meeting uh, in... Uh, South Carolina, it was in January, uh, he was sharing some things, and he was sharing some things about how love constrains us, and he was talking about the selfie stick a little bit. And, uh, you know, this is a selfie generation. Everybody wants to take a selfie stick. But with that said, I want to say welcome to the program, Pastor David Hughes. Let me just say also well, that he you, has a book uh, that uh, he's written. It's called His Life Now. Uh, it's uh, 50 Days of Grace. It's a devotional, and it's available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. You can get the ebook right now uh, for free if you go to the, one of those sites and download it, but you can also get a hard copy there. I would encourage you to do that and get a copy of this devotional. And uh, also, if you live in the North Carolina area, you owe to yourself to go by Benson First Assembly and be in one of their services uh, information will be on the screen where you can contact them and their website and uh, some information about some of his teachings and podcasts and things of that nature. So it's good to have you on the program, David, and uh, well, I want you just to begin here. to share some of the things that you were had on your heart, you know, during those, that, that, that conference was so powerful and it just blessed my heart so much. So just take your time there and we'll just have a conversation. Well, we'll just, it's all right, I'll make myself at home, doesn't mean I'm going to take my shoes off and put them on the desk, but <laughs> go ahead. Um, we just like, like uh, Lynn said, I just appreciate you and appreciate your opportunity. Uh, anytime we have to just brag on Jesus, I believe is a wonderful opportunity and some of the things that we were sharing down there. And it's just been in my heart so much because like you said, uh, the grace of God has changed our life. There's no question yep. about that. And I think everybody can say amen to that. But we needed needing to understand grace. And one thing that as we were getting together, uh, scripture that came to my mind, I know you love the Song of Solomon. Yeah. But in the Song of Solomon, the second chapter and the sixth verse, and then again in the eighth chapter and the third verse, there's a verse in there that to me just so illustrates uh, this life and gives a picture. And I'd just like to quote that, but it says this Shulamite woman there who I think is a wonderful picture of the church. What a beautiful picture yep. of us as the bride of Christ. Yeah. It's a, just a love story uh, unfolding through that book of Christ and His church. But it says there, she says, let 
And I love that little mm -hmm. word. Let's a big word. Yeah. Let his left hand be under my head and his right hand embrace me. And say, well, what do you see out of that, Dave? Well, when I look at that, I think of his left hand supporting our head, supporting our view, our perspective, and how we see things. And we have to let him do that. With his right hand, which we always think of the right hand as God's favor, his blessing, his approval, we're accepted in Christ. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Well, he's embraced us. Mm -hmm. And I think about in the first chapter of John where it says that the law came through Moses, but through Jesus came grace and truth. Mm -hmm. And I see that embrace of grace and truth there to me that so is a wonderful picture of us in the church. We have that embrace of grace, and we do. God's not holding our sins against us. He's forgiven everything. We're accepted in the beloved, the righteousness of God in Christ, and all of these things that so many say amen to. We, we need to see more of the, yes. the reality of those. But also at the same time, He holds my head. Yep. He holds my perspective. Scripture says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ. And when we begin to get that perspective, we get, I believe, the full embrace of grace and truth that has embraced us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Paul wrote in Second uh, Corinthians 11.3, he said, I fear that just as the serpent beguiled or tricked Eve, that your hearts would be led astray from the simplicity of devotion to Christ. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Lynn, when I read that word there, the simplicity, I used to think simplicity might mean that, that it's kind of shallow. Mm -hmm. There's just no basis for it there. But the simplicity is what you were talking about earlier. It's, it's literally the single focus of the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. It's just all about Him. And, you know, Paul's concern for them was, he said, I'm afraid that just like Eve got tricked, she got duped. Um, she was led astray and that we would be led astray from the simplicity, the single focus of the gospel. And I think sometimes in this day and age, sometimes even as ministers, we, we have to be careful we don't fall trapped to things. Sometimes we want to say something nobody else is saying. Yeah. <laughs> we want to <laughs> preach something nobody, we want to preach something no, they, they hadn't heard it anywhere else. And at some points we've probably uh, succeeded. I think even we've in the church preached some things not even the Holy Spirit's saying. So. <laughs> yeah, what I call shock jocks. <laughs> That's <yeah>. right. <laughs> and so we want to just say something out there. But the, the reality is to me, and, and, and I, I know it's your heart, Lynn, and so many of you out there, we want to see Jesus. Yeah. He takes my breath away. Yeah. He still blows my socks off. Yeah. He still amazes me, and His grace is still amazing. But, uh, you know, you were commenting earlier, and I, and I thought years ago, I don't know who invented the camera, but we, we thank God for him, you know. But years ago, uh, the camera was designed, I guess, so people could take wonderful vistas and pictures of the world around them. But at some point in time, particularly in this digital age, somebody decided we need to be sure that camera could somehow point to us. And now... Why in the world we'd want to hold out a camera with all of the wonderful things around us, but we want to take our picture. And what it's got is these cameras have a little uh, button on them called selfie mode. Mm -hmm. And when we click selfie mode, suddenly now we can hold the camera, but it points back to us. We even invented, and I'm sure somebody out, I, I don't, I'm not knocking you. If you took a selfie today, don't feel condemned yeah, or guilty. That's what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but we invented the selfie stick so we could get an even better picture of us. And I think what you were saying earlier about grace we have to be careful sometimes that just like Eve, what she fell for was taking the promise of God, the Word of God, this wonderful garden that He'd set us in. But He had a, the, the serpent had a way to just get her to twist this thing and look at it on how it benefited her to put yeah. her in the center of the picture. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder if in the church, if we're not careful, 
it's easy for me to just get in the center of the picture and I start to go through life in selfie mode. Yeah. And so I'm looking at the gospel, I'm looking at all of the wonderful things, um, but I'm looking at it just from my perspective and how I see it. And the Lord's got to deliver us, I think, from selfie mode. And like you said, grace even, um, if I start looking at grace, just how it benefits me, then I'm, I'm kind of in selfie mode. And one thing we talked about even in that uh, conference down there was I've heard people that uh, they talk about my grace and my liberty and my freedom, and there is no question about it. We stand here or sit here and tell you the grace of God is amazing, and it is all Him and none of us. But it was for freedom that we've been set free. Mm -hmm. And the freedom was not so I could live my life. It's the freedom so I could experience and let Jesus live His life. That's what the Holy Spirit's here to do is unfold that life. But if I make it about me, then I become defensive about my liberties and my freedoms and the things that just simply affect me. And I get locked in that selfie mode. Mm -hmm. And grace begins to become a sort of a self-focus on us. And I know that a lot of people get concerned that, well, are we starting to preach the law? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you hear that a lot. Oh, yeah. People get concerned that we're bringing the law in, we're bringing legalism in. And the fact is, is that, you know, even in that picture of grace and truth, if we have grace apart from the truth or the reality of Jesus, it can lead to just fleshly liberties and license and me mm -hmm. just doing what I want to do. And at the same time, if we just try to, in our minds, hammer truth, Apart from grace, what we end up with is legalism. Mm -hmm. But with the full embrace, what we end up with is Jesus showing up and living His life through us that frees us up, that liberates us. Um, because there's a lot of people out there that the fact is there, some of them are grace people. Yeah. And I, I hate to, I don't like labels because I think God needs to deliver us from them, but we, we attach to grace or the finished work, but they're frustrated. Yeah, They're frustrated with what they think of uh, the message of grace. And some people are, uh, the truth is, some of them just standing back a little bit, just waiting to see because of some things they've seen in grace. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know about you, there's some people, I, they may be well-meaning, but if I didn't feel like I was already gripped by the grace of God, I don't know if they'd scare me away from it a little bit. Because yes, exactly. I think, I'm not sure if that's grace or not. Mm -hmm. But um, if I can uh, tell you a little story yeah, go uh, ahead. About, uh, about my son one time. Uh, he, he gave me permission to do this. My son, I was going to say he might. <laughs> my, my son, I had to ask permission. You have to understand. My son, I've got a uh, you know, beautiful wife, Lisa, and I've got a son, David Thomas, and a daughter, Sarah. And uh, David uh, Thomas will be 20 this year. So this story I'm relating did not happen last week. Uh, he was a small child when this happened. But we were in our local fellowship, Lynn, and uh, I was actually ministering one Wednesday night many, many years ago. And uh, you, we don't think our kids sometimes are listening, uh, but they were. He was down there just on the front uh, pew uh, or, or front seats there, just coloring and stuff. I don't know. He was a toddler, uh, probably three or four years old. And if you haven't already picked up, I'm, I've got a, probably a southern accent. I don't think so. I grew up there. But I was born and raised in the south in the United States, so I've got a little southern accent. So some words I don't enunciate very well. And uh, anyway, I was talking about... Uh, doing our Christian duty, D-U-T-Y. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't pronounce duty quite as distinctly. And uh, anyway, as I was sharing about how sometimes we can get into just doing our routine and getting in the flesh, and it's about works, and I said, we do our Christian duty. Well, when I said that, my wife just about lost it. I didn't know this, but my son said, uh, when I said, do our Christian duty, David Thomas said, <gasps> Daddy said duty in church. <laughs> 
Well, needless to say, I said it a few more times, and he made a point to be sure he told my wife each time that Daddy said duty in church. And uh, anyway, there's a point to this story. Yeah. Several years uh, or sometime later, we were somewhere ministering. We were sharing this story with uh, the pastor's wife there. We were out to eat, and we're going to minister the next morning. And we got back to the motel room there, and uh, my wife was going to bed. And I just got to thinking about that, Lynn. You know, Christian duty mm -hmm. and Christian duty. Mm -hmm. uh, I did get permission. I could say duty on uh, camera. <laughs> But anyway, but I really felt like the Holy Spirit, I just almost heard him chuckle. And he said, son, when it's in your strength, they're the same thing. Yeah. My Christian duty and my Christian duty are the same thing. And we have scripture for that because we have to be biblically based. Mm -hmm. Paul, when he gave his wonderful pedigree there in the scriptures and talked about being a Pharisee of the Pharisees of the tribe of Benjamin, uh, pertaining to the law, blameless, the circumcised the eighth day, all of that. But he said, and this is where we're getting at, in view of knowing Jesus, he said, I count all of those things as dumb, dumb. as rubbish. And we're not duty. Duty. That's Do right. Christian duty. <laughs> and uh, my daughter, uh, we were riding to school uh, the other week, uh, or a few weeks back, and the song, I love this song uh, by Matt Redman. It's called His Grace Finds Me. And there's a line in that song uh, near the end that just says, I'm breathing in His grace and breathing out His praise, and breathing in His grace and breathing out His praise. And uh, needless to say, as we were going, something came through the vents in the car. Uh, you know, if you ever have the vents to blow the air from the outside. And I don't know if something had died beside the road, but uh, <laughs> my daughter laughed and she said, Daddy, that doesn't smell like grace. Yeah. And so my point in that is certainly not to be crude. My wife would be clearing her throat and telling me to stop right now, <laughs> but she's not here. I'm unsupervised. <laughs> but my point is this, Lyd. Our Christian duty or Christian duty doesn't smell like grace. Yeah. Because grace is the empowerment of God that not liberates me to do anything I want to do or just run out and just act any way I want to. And it's not legalism that constrains us. But when I have life sort of in selfie mode, when I'm sort of seeing, th seeing things just through um, my eyes, what I miss is the wonderful opportunity for the Spirit of the Lord to live through me, to show Himself through me, and realize it's, it is not our works. It's not our labors. There's nothing we could do to earn so great a salvation, uh, if that makes sense. It absolutely does. I, and I think one of the things, you know, the focus again, is we, we forget, you know, people say, well, my freedom, uh, you know, don't put me back under law, don't give me right. condemnation. It's always about my, my, right. my. And certainly, again, there has some things that God has really provided for us. Yeah. But it's really not just my. And what, and what I, I think in, in terms of sometimes we take the selfie stick and we point it at us. But we forget also, too, that it's not just freedom to an old man. Right. In other words, we're not setting people, we're not setting an old man free. Right. You're a new creature in Christ. Right. You have a new Absolutely. life operating inside of you. And so the focus comes back again on what He's done yes. to make us a new creature. Yes. And so I love what you said about, you know, His left hand is under my head. His right hand embraces me. Because His left hand helps me to focus on what's true of me. Right. Yes. And I, I think that kind of points us back to the simplicity yeah. that is in Christ. As a reminder, you know, one of the key pieces... You know, I think to uh, understanding uh, law and grace is that, you know, uh, it's not just what you have turned from, right? but what you have turned toward. Absolutely. And when our hearts turn toward the Lord, 
And so the refocus comes back on him. You, you, you know, I probably am jumping way ahead of some things you said, but you said something there. When we had a conversation one night at, uh, at a restaurant, and you, you were saying something that just really, really struck my spirit, but you were saying about how you know, Jesus did not come just to fulfill the law. He did do that, right. but He came to deliver the promise. Yes. And the promise was that He was the seed that should come to whom the promise was made. Yes. But that seed lives in us. What we, uh, you know, people forget is this, it's not just my life anymore. It's, I've been bought with a price. I'm not my right. own. Right. And then when I realize that, then I also start to realize it's not just, you know, I liked some of the things, I'll let you jump back in, uh, some of the things you were saying even about how, you know, my freedoms, I can have some freedoms, and yeah. there, there's a lot of freedoms. That's, I mean, I'm, you know, it, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Right. But we also realize that under the New Covenant, you said some powerful things down there about how love constrains me so right. that it's not just about right. my freedom, especially if it's going to destroy somebody else's life, you know. And I, I don't know if you could make some comments about that or not, but sure. I really well, appreciate what you were saying. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of God compels us. And that, that's a wonderful word because it literally means compels, constrains, animates, governs, mm -hmm. rules us. And uh, I, I'm a picture guy, and I probably come up with some of the craziest views. But I remember, I don't know if you've ever ridden by and seen those little parachute guys. They got hooked up to the fan outside of car dealerships and stores, mm -hmm. you know, and they just fill uh, yeah. up with the air. And uh, th they sit there. They tell me I can't talk without my hands. If you tied my hands, I'd probably just be quiet. <laughs> but, but, you know, you see those guys out there, yeah, and they're, they're just, just, they're the they're just arms yeah, going just everywhere. And uh, you think, well, you can never get anything out of those. But I learned something watching those. They're air-driven. Yeah. Uh, spirit. That's what the word spirit means. It's mm -hmm. pneuma. It means that the life of God is flowing through them. And so when he animates, when he shows up through them, there's something that animates us, literally. And the scriptures tell us it's the love of God. Mm -hmm. Having thus judged, the scripture goes on there to say, that if one died for all, therefore all died. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who gave Say that Himself again. for those us. Who live should no those who should live, live should no longer live, live for, themselves. for themselves, but for Him. So the life we live in, you know, Galatians 2.20 says that I've, uh, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And then he said, and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So he defined that life. He said, I've, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So the life he now lives in the flesh is the life of Christ, literally animated through us. So next time you guys go by and you see one of those crazy little parachute guide arms, you can say, that's a wonderful little picture of the new creation you were talking about because love compels us. And when love compels or governs or animates us, there are certain things that we're not going um, to do. And it's not a legalistic thing. Mm -hmm. And one thing we talked about down there, you know, Paul talked about uh, the setting where there was meat sacrificed to idols. Mm -hmm. I like a T-bone just as much as the next guy. And, uh, you know, Paul said, my conscience does not, there's no such thing. There's no, that idol is nothing. Yeah. It's not a God. There's only one God. And in essence, if I can paraphrase a little bit, he basically said, I can sit down and eat a T-bone sacrifice to an idol. And he had that right. Yeah. He had that liberty. Yeah. He had that freedom. But Paul made a distinction when he said, there's some things I'm not going to do. Not because I don't have the liberty or have the freedom. Not because it's sin. Not it's not sin. It's it. He said, it's because this whole life is not about me. And he said, I could have a brother or sister that doesn't understand that, and it would become a stumbling block to them. 
And I think we have to be careful because sometimes we say, I'm not going to let anybody infringe on my liberty. You're not going to, to do that. Mm-hmm. But love is about the liberty of itself being expressed, who's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Mm-hmm. And Paul, in that moment, he said, here's what I'll do, because not a law constrains me. He said, I'm not constrained by law. I'm not governed by a law. I'm not animated by a law or a set of rules or regulations. He said, what I'm governed by is the very life of Christ in me, and that's love. Mm -hmm. And he said, in that setting, I will abstain from that, not because it infringes upon my liberties or I can't. He said, it's because of how it affects somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that's when we are learning to be moved and animated by love. You know, Jesus made the comment. He said, there's no greater love than this than a man should lay down his life for his friend. And I've even heard sometimes words like love or commitment or even sacrifice. We have to be careful when we go here because I kind of hear thoughts and I I get the feedback sometimes and hear people say, you start talking about sacrifice, there's only one redemptive sacrifice and there's no question about it. There's nothing redemptive about any sacrifice we make. But the sacrifice he's talking about is a laying down sometimes of what I want or what I desire or even what I'm at liberty to do, mm-hmm. not because of legalism, not at all, but out of love. Yeah. Because if it's causing somebody else to stumble or to struggle, I would rather they be gripped by Jesus and not have that issue if me laying down that thing or not doing something, um, not again out of legalism, but out of love. So when we see words like sacrifice or commitment, sometimes I've had people, I don't know if you have, they'll throw up the hand and go, I'm not under the law. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think, wait a minute. Don't try to put me back under law, brother. You yeah, can, you know. I'm thinking sacrifice isn't an act of, of legalism. Jesus said there's no greater love well, that's powerful. than to lay down your life. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice is not a response to legalism. Sacrifice is the compelling of love mm-hmm. for him to live his life. He's placed this beautiful life in us. And I think, you know, the, the Godhead, um, I, I don't mean this frivolous, but I, I think God has a blast being God. I think so. I think Jesus, I believe our Heavenly Father, I believe the Holy Spirit, they have an absolute blast. And I am not trying to make it sound frivolous at all, but I think they have a good time being God. And that's one reason he said, I want to create some people because I want them to have a good time with us. Yeah. Not in a frivolous sense. So when we're not celebrating and enjoying the joy that's, that is the fullness of mm-hmm. his presence or being loved, or the compassion, or the grace, or the mercy, or all of these wonderful things that unfold God, we're not experiencing everything He wants us to do. And sometimes I have found the reason I struggle in is because somehow I've hit the wrong button in my perspective, and I've not let my head be in His hands. Mm -hmm. You flipped it to selfie mode. And I flipped it to selfie mode. And I go, I wonder why life's being so tough right now. I wonder why this life I now live in the flesh. Paul talked about, I live by faith in the Son of God. And uh, I used to say, I've heard people translate that. Some people say, well, some say faith in the Son of God. Some say by the faith of the Son of God or by the faithfulness of the Son of God. And that's one of those I would answer to, yes. Mm -hmm. Every one of those, my faith is in His faith and His faithfulness, but it's still His life. And when I flip it around to selfie mode, I don't see that. I don't experience that. Mm. I don't enjoy, I think, the fullness of what he has for us. And that's what people are crying out for, Lynn, I believe. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the things that, you know, the gospel does, it's, you know, it it tells us that in him was life. Right. 
the life was the light of men. And it goes on to say, he said, I came that you might have life, life. and that you might have it more abundantly. And the abundant life is not just when you get to heaven. I praise God. Yeah. You know, that abundant life is for right now, you know. Yes. And, you know, one of the things I've been saying recently, probably don't have enough time to really unpack it in this segment, but uh, I really started to kind of unpack it in January and then uh, especially during that conference where we were together in uh, Florence, South Carolina. But the word eternal life, of course, Jesus defines eternal life as knowing the Father. Right. And it doesn't just start when you get to heaven. A lot of people think, you know, here's the, here's the most Christian mindsets. Give me the basic rules for what it takes right. for me to get to heaven. And that's so, so missing a whole lot of stuff. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, uh, there's not a heaven. I have to make that clear every time yeah. I say this. <laughs> but we are missing so much because eternal life does not begin when you get to heaven. Right. It's knowing the Father. It's, it's, it's coming good. back into a relationship. And you know one of the yeah. things that we, we sometimes, when we got it in a selfie mode, we're looking at all we get back, what all our benefits are, what all God's done for us. And that's all powerfully there. But we forget what God lost, Yes, you know, in the garden. Yes, We forget yes. what God, He lost relationship and fellowship. He wants to have intimate, personal relationship yes. with us. He brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he told them, he brought them out, and he said, I want to make a whole nation of priests Good. out of you. I want to have personal relationship with every one of you. That's what his original, he told them that. I want to make a chosen, I'm going to make a royal priesthood. Every, every one of you will be a priest to me. And the people, when God came down on the mountain, and the voice and the sound of the trumpet waxed louder and louder, the people said, we're afraid of him, Moses. You go talk to him. Yes. And whatever he says to you, we will do it. And the people forfeited a personal mm. relationship with God Think about that. for rules. And the more you stay away from a personal relationship with God, the more rules you need. Yeah. But when you get relationship with Jesus, you don't, you need, don't the need the rules, rules anymore because His life works in us. Yeah. But they substituted that. And He brings them all the way back and says, uh, when He restores us back in Matthew, Jesus comes back and says, listen, I want to make you a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I want to bring you back into a personal relationship with the Father. And he yeah. calls that eternal life. But one of the things that I saw recently that I've never seen before, and I'm starting to run out of time, but is the word there, eternal, is the Greek word for aeon or aeonian life. Yeah. It's the life of the age. And in light of what was happening in this particular time, he was offering them yeah. the life of the coming age. The coming age you and I stand in. Right. And the coming age was the life of a relationship with the Father free from the law. So right. the age of the law was coming to a close. That's and good. the life of the coming age was a life lived out of relationship with the Father. So that the Aeonian life is more than just a trip to heaven. It was the life of the coming age living in a That's dimension good. of freedom out of a relationship with God. I think if we could bring people back to a relationship with God, Pastor David, we have... Yes. done our job and duty as ministry. We're about to run out of time, but that's the thing we really emphasize is if you've got a personal relationship with Jesus, His life yeah. and His love will be the constraint. It's, the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It's about receiving a life that's that right. will keep you 
If you've enjoyed today's program, take a moment to call that number on the screen if you'd like to become a partner with us or sow a seed into the ministry. And as your faithful partnership helps us take the gospel around the world. Uh, you can do it via credit card by going to our website. You can write a letter to the, uh, uh, to the address on the screen. And uh, we will deeply and greatly appreciate it. Tune in again next week at the same time. And Pastor Hughes and I are going to con uh, continue our conversation. God bless you for tuning in again this week week on the program. Tell your friends about us. God bless you. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.